Welcome in to another episode of We're Talking. Today we're talking basketball, raging Cajun basketball with longtime Cajun fan, Mike Hebert. Mike, how are you this morning? I'm doing well, recovering from my recent oral surgery. Every day I can eat a little something else, <laughs> so that's a good thing. That's always a positive. Uh, surgeries are, are never fun, so. Um, well, let's jump right in. Uh, we'll go back to... Uh, a game, Cajuns head to Alabama to play Sanford. Not a, uh, well, let's start out with the first half, Mike. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, going into the game, I was a little concerned, and I've heard the coaches don't think it had any transfer, but the team played pretty poorly in the second half against Loyola. They were a little sloppy. I know some of the bench guys were in there, but, you know, I didn't like the uh, way that game ended. I wondered if it would carry over. In the beginning of the game, Sanford really took it to the Cajuns on the glass. You know, we, uh, Aker, A-C-H-O-R, heard us last year here. He's their best player. He had a game number 25. Right at the beginning of the game, they get some offensive rebounds. So that's a concern, you know, right at the beginning of the game. The game's played at a fast pace, up and down. Usually that favors the Cajuns, but it did not in this case. The Cajuns seem to be a little out of control. You know, Sanford's in the middle of like an eight-game homestand. Last year, you know, when they played here, they were playing some really good teams, playing them close, winning a couple, maybe losing a couple. But uh, they were also playing maybe what I call lower-level D1 teams. But they were having success against those. That's a little different than playing the D2 teams. And that gave them a lot of confidence. Uh, their press hurt us. Um, not necessarily we were turning it over that much. But sometimes when you press and you cause the other team to take a long time to get in their offense, it can affect their offense. Um, and team us, you know, we get the ball after we get it across half court. But they did a good job of doubling him, making it hard for him to get a pass off. And oftentimes the shot was, that we took may look like it a good shot, but it really wasn't. Um, so good job by Sanford. Yeah, I, I think when you look at, and I know you've talked about this before, and that, that kind of that magic number that you get to that you kind of think you you can put a team away at that point and a 16-point lead at halftime is not insurmountable, but you exert a lot of pressure uh, uh, pressure on yourself uh, trying to uh, come back to that. So how much of that do you think just the big lead in the first half played uh, in the second half of the game? A lot. In the first half, you know, we were uh, three-point shots were not falling. And the reason they got to the 16-point lead is um, they got some good shots off our misses. And then when we did play some good defense, they made some really tough mid-range shots. Um, that small gym atmosphere really helped them. Um, you know, we only got, what, we shot 10 for 29 in the first half. That's tough to come back from. The second half, yeah, the beginning of the second half, the Cajuns did make a comeback, but a lot of energy was expended in doing so. They got the lead down to 13. I thought a good um, matchup was when Katinje didn't play as much and, um, the other center plate, latest Miss Radliff may not show up in the stats, but Samford had a lot of really fast guys, and it was just a better matchup. You know, Kobe got a couple of baskets, um, made a couple of threes, and the lead's down to 13. But then, as you said, the energy level to re required to get further back into the game just wasn't there. Um, we missed too many free throws. You know, not that we shot a lot, but when you have a chance, that we could have got the lead in the double, under double figures if we'd have made some free throws, and that's a key psychological aspect. There were also some fortunate bounces. There was one play where um, there's one second left on the shot clock. Ball's out of bounds. Sanford's in bounding it. They hit a guy on the wing wing, and he just throws up a shot. 
and he banks it in and he did not intend to make it in. So that's just not your night when things like that happen. So I don't know what Sanford's record is, but I know they had a lot of guys from last year's team. Aker is a really good player. You know, he's a 6'8", 6'9", guy can really jump. Uh, so I suspect they'll have to do pretty well in the Southern Conference. And yeah, I don't think I, I don't think Sanford's a, a, a bad team. I just uh, – it's still a team I think the Cajuns should beat, but at the same time, it's not one that they're going to beat 10 out of 10 times, if that makes sense. Yeah. And to be honest, the last 10 minutes of the game were played by bench guys, which – and some of those guys missed some free throws and made a couple of turnovers. And that's why the final score was 23 points. You know, some of the regulars played might be – um, 15 points, but you can now win shooting three for 19 from three and Kobe Julian being your only guy shooting from three to make a shot. We have other guys that are better shooters that were just off that night. That was the key to the game to me was the three for 19. Uh, well, I, I think a couple things there that, uh, you know, when uh, Aker, is that how you say his name? I may not be saying it right, but it's spelled A-C-H-O-R. Yeah, uh, 25 points in only 23 minutes. I mean, nine for 11 shooting. That's uh, hard to overcome. But the thing that surprised me on both sides, and I don't think which is good for the Cajuns, but 40 points in the paint of your 65, that's not the way the Cajuns want to play. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm going to take them all night long. But at the same time, it goes back to your point about three-point shooting. You know, 20, uh, 15% for the game, three for 19. You're, the Cajuns aren't going to win basketball games that way. Let's say a normal would be seven, eight out of 19. That's 12, 15 more points. And by the way, if you make those, they don't score as much because they can't press you. Yeah. Well, you can get back. Well, well, they can press you if they score, but you can get back on your defense. They're not going to get as many run out shots on the missed long rebounds on the three point shots. um, Yeah. Poor three point shooting was a factor. And remember the last D1 game we played was against Long Beach, we'd made 18. These shots may have looked as open, but they weren't. Yeah, you had not that you were rushing, but you uh, you didn't have as much time to you know bend your knees, get on your squat, get the follow through at all. So give a lot of credit to Sanford. Yeah, yes. Yeah, uh, if we don't play them in a small gym like that with their atmosphere, and I give them their fans a lot of credit, they really got behind their team. Yeah, sometimes Sanford is eight. Remind me of the old Georgia State games. Remember when they had that small gym? Yes. I, I went to a couple games there, uh, very, very much the crowds on top of you and everything. And you hear every little thing that every fan says. Uh, Sanford is eight and two on the season. And after dropping their first two games, have won eight straight. So who did they lose the fir- uh, first two games? To? Uh, they lost to uh, Purdue and VCU. Those are two decent so. teams. And I, and there was a boat road games, I imagine. Yes. Yeah, so yeah, so they've done well since. They'll do well in the Southern Conference. They have quite a few guys from last year, and they were finished the top of their Southern Conference. <laughs> On the other hand, that we, you know, it might have just been one of those bad nights at the office things. You know, when you shoot three for nineteen from three. Yep. And that's and, unusual, and, though, for a team that shoots three pointers like that in the Cajun Dome to go to a smaller gym. It seems like it would be the opposite, where you go if you're shooting in a smaller gym. And you go to the uh, the Cajun Dome, you should shoot worse because of your depth perception. So that's that's an odd stat for me. Agreed. Yeah. 
And you know, we, we had a, like, again, the only guy who made any was Kobe. Kobe had a good game. I, and I'll give Kobe a lot of credit. He's having a pretty good season, um, you know, following the injuries he's had and playing part-time last year. You know, I, I've said in our preseason analysis, look for him to be our featured guy. And, and uh, that in um, Timus is when he's handling the ball, that, that turned out to be correct. Absolutely. So, so then we have nine-day break finals. Heard Coach Marlin say one of our guys, I think it was Chancellor White, had a final at five o'clock on Friday. Of course, he's redshirting, so he didn't have to go to the that game. But that'd be a terrible time to have a final five o'clock on the last day. <laughs> I don't know what teacher gave that. Yeah, but, uh, really. Yeah. So we'll move. So we'll move on to the Louisiana Tech game. Uh, that game, I thought was okay in the first five minutes. You know, Joe had an and one and a steal and a break and. Kobe made a three, but it didn't take long for that uh, early lead to dissipate as the Cajuns had a hard time stopping the Tech big guy, Bacho, inside. You know, we fouled them several times. They, you know, Tech was in the bonus, but a second media timeout, and they were making all their free throws in the second half. You know, we were trapping the ball. I think teams, in some cases, have watched film on the Cajuns. They know if you're a little patient, you can get the ball inside. If you don't turn it over, you just have to, you know, not take this as the first shot that's available from outside. So there, it basically was free throws is why Tech expanded the lead. And yeah, Cajuns were not hitting their open threes in the first half. I think we only hit one. Uh, any success the Cajuns did have came from Tech turning it over. Now, I thought our effort was better than that Samford, even though the halftime score may not have shown it. Uh, it just looked like we were just a little more focused. You know, there was... A lot of adversity in the first half. Uh, you know, there were two technical fouls that expanded the lead. I think one of them was on Coach Marlin. I think he was just frustrated that the uh, foul calls Tech was getting under the air basket we were not getting when we drove. You know, not again. We said this before. No argument on the fouls that were called on the Cajuns. It's just the same play. Maybe not quite as aggressive as where you don't get the foul call. But then it was one on the bench. I never did find out who had this. Who the second technical foul was on. Yeah, and, and Jay spoke about that. I was listening on the radio. Uh, Jay spoke about that. Usually that goes to the head coach, and if that would have been the case, he should have been tossed. But evidently they knew who said something. So that that's an odd – that was an odd technical. Yeah, and it hurt because they both made me free throws, you know. Three points were scored on the technical fouls in the 19-point league. It could have been 16. Maybe the one Coach Marlin God was deserved. Maybe he wanted it to try to get some more foul calls. I had to laugh. Halftime comes, and the ESPN Plus crew, which was mostly um, tech-oriented, um, but they interviewed the tech coach, and he says, we're playing pretty good defense, but that, uh, there's points they're, they're getting too many points at the foul line. We were four for seven on the free throw line in the first half, and he, I think he'd made over – he'd made – you know, almost 20, but you know, shot over 20 by that. So I didn't get that. So I, I, it was sort of comical. And he was saying with a straight face. You know, uh, that, is, that is crazy because the two things that really stood out to me in the first half was that you mentioned three-point shooting, one for nine for the Cajuns. And you know, uh, the other side of it is they were 19 for 23 from the free throw line, which in the first half, which is usually what you shoot for, you know, 23 free throws in a game, not 19 and a, not 23 and a half. 
Yeah, and it, they it, shot eighty two percent, almost eighty three percent. Yeah, they were they were doing a good job of knocking him down. Bacho didn't do as well in the second half, but he was eight for eight in the game, and uh, he was getting fouled um, because the Cajuns were trying to trap the ball, and, and like I said, they were patient, they were getting to him, and we ended up with a mismatch. A couple of times, Kentrell Garnett ended up on him. You know, you know, he's a six ten guy who's fairly athletic. You know, so it's tough, but we were down nineteen. But I've just the body language the Cajuns had was much more positive than at, than at than at Sanford. They just seemed a little more confident and, um, you know, probably figured that a few three point shots would start falling. So we went basically second half of Sanford. I mean, the whole game at Sanford and the first half of Tech was the only guy to make a three was Kobe Junior. <laughs> so you you know that's not going to continue. We have some, some other guys who are good shooters. Eventually, that's going to turn around, and it did to some degree in the second half. But a second media timeout, the 11 minutes or so to go, the Cajun League is down to seven. I mean, the Cajuns have cut the lead to seven. And finally, we're forcing them to take one shot. We're playing a little better defense. Um, sometimes we didn't pressure the ball quite as much, so we just were able to actually, you know, focus on the inside guys a little bit more. Cantrell finally hit a three. Themis was able to penetrate and got a couple of good assists. And, and Kobe's continuing to play well. Speaking of Kobe, one thing I've noticed this year, he's playing much more in control. He's got body language. Occasionally, he'll still force up a tough shot because he's the go-to guy. But he just seems to be no- to know what he's doing a lot more. Uh, I think a lot of that has to do with health and not, uh, you know, he for, for, for part of the time he had a knee brace on uh, the last couple of years. I just think he feels I'm, he looks very much more confident and looked like the Kobe, Kobe Juling that we were expecting, uh, even though he came out of high school hurt. So it's good to see him. That he he's he deserves everything that he's doing. What he's had to go through. Yes, if you want to, if you go to a Cajun game and you know his story, watch him. You know, he's taking the ball to the basket, finishing at the goal, hitting his threes, and playing better on defense. And we'll talk about that in the ATU game. But anyway, you know, we got like I said, not surprisingly, we had the lead down to seven. That's tough to maintain that intensity when you were down 19. So Tech responds. I thought a huge play in the game was, you know, and leads around 10, maybe it's nine or eight. We're inbounding the ball our own basket. Tech plays good defense. We throw the ball, try to throw it into the backcourt. It gets intercepted and a dunk occurs. That's a four-point play, possibly, you know, where you inbounding the ball into your own basket. And I never understood this, why coaches don't teach players. Maybe they do, this wasn't. If you have any, any type of concern, call timeout. Yeah, you know, you know, it's just like a pick six in bas- in football when you do something like that. Yep. Also, you know, we recover from that. We keep the the game somewhat close. But whenever we needed another stop, the guy uh, Chavez hits a big basket, either a nice mid range or or three. I think he had four threes in the game to give him credit. So he and Bacho were the guys I was worried about, and it turned out to be the guy guys, guys that hurt us. Now, um, a positive though was Crawford is another one of their top players. Joe Charles held, held him to five points. He was really uh, out of sorts. So Joe is one of the better defensive players in our league, and he continues to show it. And he, and he did that, and he hurt his hand in the first half, had to sit some time, which another reason Tech had a 19-point lead. But give credit to Joe for doing a great job, one of the top players in Kusa. Well, I was going to say Crawford, uh, I believe, came into the game their leading scorer on the team and did not score until uh, in, in well into the second half. 
Yeah. So that was a positive. Uh, the Cajun State was a striking distance the whole game long. Even though it may not have resulted in the layup, uh, but he did get a couple. They seemed to more cold, cold, more uh, post-up plays for Hosanna. We got to the line a lot more than we did in the first half, which was uh, not a well, a little couple of times. And uh, I keep and when we didn't, when the guy post up, it allows the other guys to spread out. And Kobe was able to drive, and, and he ended up with twenty some points. Yep. Yeah, we simply ran out of time, and our misfortune in that game continues. There was twice. There was a missed free throw, and not that the Cajuns weren't blocking out. It's just the way the ball bounced. It bounced back out to a Tech guy once he missed his free throw. But uh, but they allowed them to run clock on those missed free throw rebounds. You know, they probably ran a whole minute out when the Cajuns really did it uh, to get the rebound and come down court. Uh, I think we hit a three right at the end of the game, so it was a five-point loss. I actually thought there was some things to be encouraged about in the second half to see if we could uh, continue to do those things that future games might help us. But free throws and rebounds. Do you know the Cajuns had more baskets, more three-point baskets, and fewer turnovers than Tech and still lost? <laughs> That's unusual. Well, now, encouraging thing, we were even on the boards in the second half. Um, Victor Howell, he used to do uh, – New Orleans Hornets, four-day were Pelicans um, uh, games as a sideline reporter. He was the color guy for the ESPN Plus broadcast, and he made a comment that I thought was telling. He said, in some cases, he caught the Cajuns were looking at the ball too long on the rebounds. They said, ball watching. Now, you've got to watch the ball to know where it's going to go, but you've got to make your decision and figure out where it's going to bounce a lot quicker. If you're watching it till the ball's almost at the rim or hitting off the rim, it's too late. One of the great rebounders in history was Dennis Rodman, and his biggest thing was you know, he could tell where the ball was going to bounce when the ball was halfway through his arc. <laughs> I, I, I was going to bring Rodman up. That's a that's a great example, and I think uh, we see that too many times. Uh, players getting too far underneath the basket. I, I'm talking about college basketball in general. Too far underneath the basket are trying to crash the board and not, not having uh, – the knowledge that it's a three-point shot, so if it's if it's going to be short and coming off that rim, it's probably going to bounce bounce out longer, not 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 underneath the basket. So I apologize for interrupting there, Mike. No, that's exactly that's a great point. So, uh, so we were did a better job there, and sometimes too, and, and there's things you can do like drills out and to focus on this. Just make sure your man doesn't get the ball, you know. I still play some pickup basketball and I can't rebound anymore. Than that. But one thing I focus on, I don't even watch the ball. If I think if I hear it, I just watch my man and try to make sure he doesn't get the ball. And then somebody like Joe Charles is going to get it. Oh. So that was a positive. And um, yeah, that's about it. You know, but I was hoping, okay, let's see. We finished. We rebounded better. We rebounded even in the second half. It, with this team, if the Cajuns can stay even on the boards, they'll have success. But they got out rebounded by 17, and that was all in the first half. And the free throws, what, they, they shot 24 for 37. We shot 7 for 11, something like that. Yeah. Uh, a, a couple of things that, you know, that I noticed, uh, second half, we 3.7 for 12, 58%, you know, that you're not going to do that every game. But 38% for the game, which is not a bad percentage from three-pointer. But at the same time, you can't allow yourself to to get down uh, as much. And then the other thing is 
the, the big thing to me was second chance points. They had 20. We only had eight. So I think and that right there, if you can kind of keep that close, is the difference in the game. Yep. And so I wondered, okay, can they carry over the positive from the second half into the Eastern Kentucky game? And we'll talk about that now. Yep. Uh, I thought in that game last night in the Dome, both teams were very aggressive in the early going. Uh, Eastern Kentucky has a guy named Cozart, who's one of the leading shot blockers in the nation. In the first couple of minutes, he had two. You know, we, we were trying to attack him. We weren't scared of him. Sometimes that's the best thing you can do is put your body right into him. But he's got great instincts and just um, really impressed me with the way he could block shots. Just like know, the and, and, and I was going to say, I, I thought Eastern Kentucky was very athletic, could, could jump very well. And the thing that surprised me after the game was because of their shot blocking ability that we outscored them in the paint 36 to 28. Yeah. So some of that goes, uh, I think the team is folks, you know, again, early in the game, he blocked a couple of shots. Eastern Kentucky, I think in the first five minutes or so did impact our offense with their press, just like in tech or in Sanford rather, you know, it took, made us take a long time to get into our offense, but we did get to it. Themis was able to score and get to the basket. You know, take his man off the dribble. You know, they sometimes he'd take the dribble handoff and off of the weave, and he's able to take his man off the basket. And and um, when he got to the basket, and maybe in those positions, uh, Kozark wasn't at the basket. They'd moved him away, but the other guy's moving, or he's able to lay it up high off the glass. So that helped us get a, a small lead. So credit the team is there. Uh, another thing that helped in the first half was our bitch. Butler made it to three. Hardy made a three. Radliff came in in the first half. I thought he did okay. You know, with just uh, another guy inside for us could move a little well. So we hadn't done, hadn't gotten much contribution from our bench late in recent games. Uh, Michael Thomas didn't play that much. I understand he got hurt. But, you know, so the bench gives us a small lead. I wish we could have extended, but, you know, again, we're trying to separate our lead from two points driving in and trying to draw a foul. And again, we're not gutting them in the first half. It was rather health of skelter. It was a two point. It was a hell of a lot of action for a two point game. 27, 25. Didn't you think? Yeah. Uh, you know, I had heard some, some things that, you know, Eastern Kentucky was one of the top rebounding teams in the country and everything. And then, and then I told my buddy, I said, yeah, that's because they, uh, I assume it's offensive rebounds they're getting because, they were shooting horribly, but both teams were not shooting. Uh, it, it just, it seemed to me like they were shooting worse than we were. But then when you looked statistically, they were almost identical. So, uh, yeah, because they were getting some dunks in the first half. But, but, you know, that's the thing, though, with all of that, again, is the uh, second chance points. We doubled there 14 to 7. And I just thought they were so much more athletic, had so much, were so much quicker uh rebounding but toby and joe charles i i don't think it, it, it they get enough credit for being able to tap the ball out and being able to tap the ball away and not just you know sometimes uh players get too aggressive when they go to tap the ball away and it, it just goes out of bounds so they knock the ball away, which is still better than giving a team a basket underneath the basket but they're very finesseful and able to tap it to one of our players so I don't think they get enough credit for that. 
they were much more successful that last night than on the road games. The seem the two road games where they would try to tap it out and we'd go out of bounds or off one of our teammates. But, you know, that's, again, on the positive side at halftime, you know, we were holding our own the boards. We were forcing some turnovers. That got us the lead. Uh, Fetchers were leading late in them plays, I said, 27-25, which is a semi-football game out there. But I noticed this at half. I was optimistic for this one reason. Kobe had four points, and, we're, and yeah. we were ahead. And, and Joe didn't have any in the yeah. first half. And he ended up with a double-double. Yeah. Yeah. So – the second half, you know, teams are feeling each other out. But, uh, you know, about a second media timeout, the Cajuns are up 10. As Kobe got going, you know, they ran a couple of plays. He got the ball late in the shot clock, but was in a position to drive and score. And the press is not hurting us at all at this point. We're breaking it fairly well. And, again, part of that was our own defense. We're still continuing to force turnovers. We're tapping it out. We're getting the rebound. And um, you know, we're play, basically an efficient offense at that stage. I, I, you know, looking back, uh, the Cajuns only had 10 turnovers in the game, which uh, I, I, to me is a very good stat in, in the sense that with, with as much as uh, Eastern Kentucky was pressing, to only have 10 turnovers in a game I think is, is, is very impressive. Yeah, that was encouraging. And, you know, we had the game just about in control at that point. It was one bad play that happened. We had a midcourt turnover, which uh, – I forget his name. He hit two threes, but, you know, guy hit about a 30-footer, you know, so that could be a five-point play. And that turned the momentum back to EKU, and they got followed out. They got a miss. They got a duck on the other end, and we fouled on a three-pointer, and all of a sudden the league's down to three or four. However, you know, Cajuns respond. Uh, there was a huge play in the game, I think, that turned the momentum back to the Cajuns. Was, was Susanna got a block, and he ended up back with a Kobe layup, and uh, that may be Hosanna's only block of the season. And it was out on the perimeter. You, you know, I thought the uh, uh, the 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 block, but I also one which was a foul. But I thought Hardy did the right thing underneath the basket. It was kind of a fast break. He 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 gave the foul, but he made sure that the the player didn't have an opportunity to make the basket. Sometimes we we foul too soft, and we give them the basket in the end one. I thought Hardy did the right thing there, and I loved that play. And I thought that was uh, because they weren't shooting the free free throws very well either. Yeah, I think uh, they only made one on that particular sequence, so that turned out to be a really good play. Yeah, and overall, though, I thought a key to the game was how we broke the press in the second half. You know, we actually did a good job of having Hosan in the middle of the floor and actually looking for him as a focal point, and then he passed to the guys off the wing. There was one really good play where Contrell Garnett actually. Got a ball of the wing, and he shot like a 10-foot bank shot and made this old, the, the mid-range king here, the heart warm, where Kentrell made like three uh, mid-range shots. I think Kobe made a couple. So it was nice to see a shoot some mid-range to help beat the press, especially a guy like Kentrell. He can, uh, good shooter, and he, he's going to make a high percentage from 10 feet away. Maybe he should have done that more on the road trip. And then and then in the game, um Demas was in control. By the way, uh, Cantrell needs to be recognized because he helped uh, us. Uh, what was it? Uh, he had to play point for a while, didn't he? Yes, he did. He did. I was going to bring that up. Uh, I thought that was uh, – I, I like the fact that Demas seems to be maturing in the sense of uh, he's 
doing a better job of not getting un too far underneath the basket and getting a shot block or taking a bad shot or throwing the ball. But he's also doing a better job, in my opinion, of taking control of the game, meaning if we need a score, he's there, but he's also doing a better job of kicking the ball out to people. I think Themis does not get a, a, enough credit for his play either right now. Yeah, he, he, I thought it was one of his better games since maybe the Youngstown game last night. Uh, so when you're looking at the stats at the end of the game, yes, team has controlled the game at the end and put it away. The most telling stat is the rebounds. We've Once the top rebounding teams in the nation, we only got outboarded by one. And if the Cajuns generally, I've looked at this, if they're within five on the glass, they're going to have a good chance to be successful. And so why was that? Well, Joe got another double-double. You talked about the offensive rebounds. You know, the first half, we didn't have any. And on second chance points, he had two, should have had three. There was a offensive goaltending call that was not overturned, probably because we couldn't do it. But it sure looked like uh, uh, the basket should have counted. Uh, that was very close. Had nine I mean, rebounds. Go ahead. I was just going to say that was very close. I, I, I was – so I'm not sure if it was or it wasn't. So – yeah, well, it'd be interesting to hear what hear hear what Jay or Dan thought about that. I mean, yeah. Dan obviously has the replay, although I think their replay monitor was out for a while, so I don't know if that was during the time. Yeah, interesting thing there, or Bob actually asked the uh, officials, "Hey, can you just take a look at that during the timeout? You know, don't stop the game; just a natural timeout." And they did look at it during one of the timeouts, and decided uh, to keep the call as offensive goaltending. Where I sit at uh, behind Jay and those guys. Some of my friends actually had a view of the uh, replay, and they were fairly confident that the basket should have counted. Of course, it's probably looking at it through Cajun eyes, and the refs looked at it for a long time, but the conclusion must not have been definitive, so they stayed with the uh, call. But anyway, good to see that they did the right thing, the way they handled it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Hosanna Kanchanje, I mentioned earlier, you know, I thought he was a big factor by the way he helped break the press, you know, Good job by the coaches of having him in the game plan, go to the middle of the floor, catch the ball, and kick out to the wings. But he had nine rebounds. That's I'm pretty sure that's his season high. Uh, don't know why he played so much better this game than on the road when they had some big guy, athletic guys to go against. Maybe all those drills they're doing in practice. Um, he seemed to block out a little bit more. It's paying off. He yeah. seems to have lost a little weight, too. He looked thinner last night. Yeah, maybe so. Maybe that's why. Maybe it's just my eyes. I don't know. But anyway, nine re if we get nine rebounds from him, we're going to do good. We're going to have a chance to be successful. We had four starters and double figures. That usually indicates good ball movement. Um, we forced 19 turnovers. That shows good defense. Oh, one other point about the rebounding. Uh, Kobe got five, which is a good number for him. I noticed it, too. He seemed to back go back towards the paint more on the missed shot. If he may not get it, though, but it just – Forces the other guys to t account for him on their rebounding. And I know Coach Marland said they were trying to do that a couple of games ago. Okay. So that might be a strategic change that helped them on the boards. Uh, so rough road trip. I got encouraged at the end of the second half at Tech. Wondered if it could continue until last night. And for the most part, it did. Now can you win a game on the road, which we go to McNeese on Sunday? You know, Coach Marlin had said back uh, at one of the – press conference or something that the Toledo game was one that really hurt us because had we won that one, I think it would have given more confidence in the road. Cause now in true road games, they're and three, 
You know, we had the 16-point lead in the second half, couldn't separate, lost to the DN with some foul trouble. Um, getting that first one is tough. I think when we, once we do win our road game, hopefully it uh, happens before conference, it may not be such a big factor. It's uh, uh, the road is, has been very, uh, very rough for us. So we're definitely gonna have to play better. Uh, I'm not sure if Mac Nice is the, the best non-conference game that we'll play, but they're going to be right up there. I think Long Beach state is a very good team, but, uh, Mac nice seems to be the real deal this season. Yeah. They have several transfers that coach Wade has brought in, uh, I'm sure NIL issues are helping him. Uh, their two best players are one returnee, uh, number 24, if you're watching the game, is Christian Shoemate. As far as I know, even though he's from Chicago, he's not related to the John Shoemate from Notre Dame in the 70s. Um, he's a Tulsa transfer, but he played last year at McNeese. He's the top returnee. Uh, 6'6", but he can really jump athletic, and he's got a big body. He gave Jordan Brown a hell of a time last year in the game in Lake Charles. In fact, Jordan's the only one who could handle him. And he's continuing to be their uh, top inside guy. He's averaging 12 and 10. He's a double-figure guy every game. And their best guard is a six-foot guy really quick named Shadaya Well. I can't even say his name probably. S-H-A-D-A-D-A or D-A-D-Z. Wells. He's number 13. He's a transfer from uh, TCU, where he's one of the top guys off the bench. He's a double transfer because he went to Arlington prior to that, UTA. I don't know if he played against us when, uh, I think maybe not. I think UTA might have been out of the league by the time he got there. But he was an all-conference player there, transferred to TCU. The reason he gets a second transfer is because he's a grad transfer. He's averaging 19 points and shooting 45% from three. So those are two best guys, um, and there's other guys that they have that they're uh, can't name them all right now. But you know, a lot of transfers. The uh, McNeese has a pretty good NIL deal going over there in Lake Charles under Coach Wade. Um, so uh, wouldn't be surprised to see them win the Southland. No, I'd be shocked if they don't. Quite honestly, so. You know, I think the uh, Southland may be a little better. I need to mention earlier uh, in our some of our pre discussion that Lamar's doing better this year and. Uh, Southeastern was picked to win the league. Um, Nichols, of course, has beaten LSU and played competitive in some other road games. Uh, Southland's a fairly decent league. And um, not to say that McNeese uh, can't dominate the league because he did all these transfers, but they'll be challenged some games. Of course, uh, Sunday's game will be quite entertaining, I'm sure, for those who can make it. Um, I don't know why it's on Sunday. We probably asked for it because we, we were probably figured we'd be in the New Orleans Bowl on Saturday. So, and then we'll go uh, to think, and then we'll go to uh, I was going to say, not even whether it's the New Orleans Bowl. I mean, the majority of the there's a lot of Sun Belt Conference tie-ins on that first uh, that Saturday, so uh, probably a smart move. But um, it, it, it's uh, the Cajuns always uh, have always had a tough time playing at Nice, so whether whether it's whether Will Wade has been there or not, and yeah. So, Obviously, this is the first time the Cajuns will face Wade in Lake Charles. Yeah, he just came back last night, uh, and they handled Southern Miss pretty well. Southern Miss apparently is not nearly as strong as they were last year when they were regular season champions in the Sun Belt. They lost quite a few players. Uh, I think the score was 67 to 48. So, you know, you say 67, you know, we score 70s, 80s, we can win. But holding a team, uh, still holding a Sun Belt team to 48 indicates the they played pretty good defense. 
Yeah, 22 points in the second half for Southern Miss. I thought that game was a little closer until the, about the last five minutes. It was an eight to ten point game there for a while. Uh, but McNeese did pull away at the end. I think they they probably are the better team. So, And, again, I think they might be the best team the Cajuns face in non-conference play for that matter. They could be. Could be. Talent-wise, you know, they've got to win at uh... – UAB, they've got a win at VCU. Uh, a lot of their home games have been against non-D1s, three or four of them. And, uh, but last year, they played at Southern Miss, so they got the game back. Our series with McNeese, why we played there two years in a row? Well, they played here two years in a row. So it was a four-game series, two in Lafayette, two in Lake Charles. Hopefully, they'll play in Lafayette again next year. Uh, and the series continues. I have no reason to doubt that it will. Uh, so it is going to be uh, a lot of excitement. Coach Marlin's post-game show last night said he was looking forward to it. And to put it mildly, I'm sure the Cowboys are looking forward to it as well. Yeah, you know, I think the key to this game is going to be two things. I want to see the players. I want them to be aggressive like Hardy was when they get – when when Magnus is underneath the basket. They shot 47%, 8 for 17 from the line against Southern Miss. I think if we can do that, be aggressive, not get into foul trouble, but give some hard fouls, that would be a good thing. And I think we've got to hold them under uh, 30% on their three-point shooting. So they were seven for 20, 35% in their game against Southern Miss. So I think those are going to be some keys right there, in my opinion. You gave some stats there from McNeese showing that, you know, pretty average on offense. But Southern Miss didn't do very well on offense. So it shows the McNeese defense, but pretty locked in. Yeah, and the thing was, so. Uh, I, I think it's just poor sh- – well, I shouldn't say poor shooting, but Southern Miss only had eight turnovers in the game. So it wasn't pressure defense in the sense that you see that. So I don't know. I'm that That's going to be a game. I, I, I may have to go back and watch that this weekend. So yeah, uh, well, figure out what, what's going on. Yeah, uh, yeah it's going to be an entertaining game on Sunday. But let's not make too big a deal of it. Yep. We're in a one-bid league. It's just another road game. We follow another road game uh, – week from Friday against Rice in Houston. Then we'll go to Christmas break. And then when uh, we go to Marshall, you know, the intensity needs to pick up. You know, win or lose against the McNeese, that should be a one or two day story. The conferences, all of these games are basically, um, other than our non-D1s to me, are just basically preparing us for conference, which is where our focus should be. And we'll see what Marshall, uh, Marshall lost to Toledo at Toledo last night by one. I know when we played Toledo, we had a 16 point lead and ended up losing by nine. But, you know, that could easily go on either way. So that score indicates, you know, we may be pretty competitive and Marshall have similar teams. That's the December 30th, I believe. And that's really where our focus should be. You know, they use these last two games to help prepare you for conference. Don't make too big a deal of either winning over a loss at either McNeese or Rice. Get, you know, them to get ready for conference. It, it, it's interesting to see because we have that MAC challenge. But uh, uh, including the game coming up in January, Marshall will have uh, play four MAC games. So, and that's because they were in that conference with them, and they're so close to each other. So it's it's a good rivalry for them. So good it's for them. Ge- it's geography. It's like Louisiana Tech and the Southlands Conference schools for us. Same type of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. and so, so that might be an interesting trip when we go up there on uh, December the thirtieth. Well, uh, Craig, anything else? No, Mike. Uh, I, I think that. Uh, Really enjoyed the second half of uh, the game. I thought the, the first half last night was uh, 
uh, a little crazy, not the way anybody wants to play. But luckily, uh, and, and I don't know, was it good defense or was it poor shooting and all that? But I think the Cajuns, uh, the Cajuns played a better game than they had the last two games. And I think all that matters is, yeah. is that we won. I'm happy no one got hurt. I know Michael Thomas got a little tweak something. I don't know what it was. That's why he didn't play in the second half. But at first I, half, nothing was getting called. It was helter skelter. Yeah. I mean, uh, obvious fouls both ways that were not being called. The refs were really letting them play, but at least they let them play both ways. Yes. Okay. You, yes. you talked about the back challenge. Let me mention one more thing. You know, our Mac home game, and I really regret that that couldn't have been in December sometime the way they did it. It's going to have to be on. Uh, Super Bowl Sunday, and the reason that is is all the Mac Sun Belt round two games are um, that second weekend in February. Ours has to be on Super Bowl Sunday because the Cage Dome is not available on Saturday. You know, I thought maybe you could change it, but no, they wanted all the Mac Sun Belt games on that second Saturday in February, and your opponent is going to be decided in mid January, depending on how you're doing. Uh, and I found out recently, and they're looking and they can change this. Super Bowl Sunday, that game's probably going to be at night because of the time it takes to get the floor ready following the Mardi Gras function. So that's unfortunate. Uh, next year, we're going to have the MAC Challenge again, but the first game is going to be at the Sunbelt School, so we'll know who we're playing when the schedule is made in the summertime, and that'll probably probably sometime in early November or mid-November. Much better situation than not knowing who you're going to play till mid-August, till mid-January, and having to play in Super Bowl Sunday because of the our arena situation and not to say that Mardi Gras function is not valuable the dome makes money off of those and we know how big of a cultural thing Mardi Gras is here in Lafayette but that's something to look forward uh, when that announcement comes you know I'm sure there won't be a lot of people there can't, can't be but it can't be helped yep absolutely all right Mike I appreciate it as always uh we'll uh set up another time to talk here uh shortly so uh, appreciate it. All right. So long, everyone. You've been listening to We're Talking. We've been talking basketball. Longtime Cajun fan, Mike Bear. For Mike Bear, I'm Craig Malosso. Thanks for listening. Any redistribution or reproduction of any part or all of the contents in any form is prohibited, except, ah, uh, who the hell are we kidding? Distribute it, share it, put it in your podcast, broadcast it, or put it on social media. Just give credit where credit's due.